Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Coach's Corner. I'm Coach Andrew Poritz from Ingenuity Coaching. I help people discover and fulfill their passions and greatness. My mission, to inspire and challenge you to dream big dreams, and with my coaching, help you to manifest those dreams into reality. You can visit my website at www.myfuturecoach.com and follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash coachandrew. If you're listening live and you have a question, the phone number here is 646-929-2893. Again, that's 646-929-2893. If you call, you'll be able to listen to the show on the phone, and if you press the number 1, I'll know you have a question. We also have a live chat room right on the show page where you can feel free to join in. So my guest for tonight tells me that there's a huge mistake you're probably making right now and you don't even know it. What's worse is that most people will see you doing it and will unconsciously recognize it instantly. Sharon Saylor, MBA, is a communication success strategist who trains professionals on how to become stronger, more influential communicators and leaders. She teaches people how to communicate with confidence and clarity by matching their body language to what their mouth is saying. They don't know why, but they just know something's not right. So joining me on the phone today is Sharon Saylor, the author of the upcoming What Your Body Says and How to Master the Message. Sharon, are you with us? Yes, thank you so much for inviting me tonight, Andrew. My pleasure, Sharon. So, you know, you have me hooked. What's this one thing I might be doing to turn everyone off? We know we all do it, and that's our breathing. But sometimes we do it wrong. By that I mean we breathe really high up in our chest like this and we start to sound frantic and panicked Mm -hmm. and that instantly people go, oh my gosh, what's wrong with them? Oh my gosh, are they, do they know something I don't know? Is there danger? Should I start to go into fight or flight mode myself? And oftentimes we turn people off just because we're breathing high and panicky like this. Mm. And where, where should we be breathing? Breathing down and complete and low. I like to call it belly breathing, down into the full belly. I sometimes sometimes get pushback from from women because they're like, no, then my tummy will pooch. But you know, that really is a little thing to give up because Mm. we'll sound so much more confident, so much more in command, especially with women. We have naturally higher voices. Mm Mm-hmm. So if we're breathing really high, it tends to get higher. I'm breathing really high right now. My voice tends Mm -hmm. to get higher. And so many times times the guys will go, why are you so angry? And we'll be going, I'm not angry, but it's because we're breathing way up Mm. here in our chest. So if I breathe down really low and I could sound like, Luke, you are my son. Yes, exactly. Okay. (laughs) So that's why uh, Darth had so much power. (laughs) Exactly. It gives that real command presence. Wow. Well, that's a great great thing to know. So, you know, you have graciously sent me a pre-publication copy of your book, which I've been reading, and there are all these interesting diagrams and actually how to move and when, how to breathe. And and I'm thinking at some point in this conversation, we may want to do some kind of a demonstration. Right here and on, on live non-TV. <laughs> Sounds wonderful. It's easy to explain. Okay. Well, let's let's get back to that in a little bit. We we'll get to some like some of the uh, the um, the 
big concepts here. Well, f- first of all, what, is, what are a couple of other common mistakes that people make? Well, you know, there's this old saying of look them in the eye, and you can actually have too much eye contact. I know that sounds a little odd because all of the big salespeople say, oh, they won't trust you unless you look them in the eye. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you've ever met people that believe that so strongly that they're staring at you and it, it just becomes creepy. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so I say take your cues from the other person. If they're glancing away or blinking, go ahead and blink. If they tend to like a lot of eye contact, stay with good eye contact. Mm. But if they're, if they're uncomfortable, if you see them looking down or looking away, it means that your eye contact is making them uncomfortable. So, so it sounds your, like you you you're you're u- utilizing some aspects of mirroring. Is that correct? Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's fun because you can use it the other way too. If you're wanting to shift, even shift someone's breathing or have them do a body language move that you would like them to do, you can start doing that, and they'll start mirroring you as well. It's completely unconscious. We just mm. start mirroring and matching the other person. Because I've, I've, I've certainly learned the part where I copy them, but I didn't learn the part where they copy me. So this is new to me. It's really fun to watch. Sometimes I like to make a little game of it and see, okay, if I take a particular stance or do you know a particular pose or something can i make them shift mm. to be a similar now usually it's not a hundred percent they right. wouldn't be matching you a hundred percent but you're like oh i got them to lean back in their chair cool <laughs> yeah that's very cool so these but, are all now all of these come under the, the realm of nonverbals. Re- yes okay oddly even the ones with our voice meaning like the tempo the volume the cadence that we put to it, the way we, if we speak very slow and stretch out our words, all of that is our nonverbal. Even though we're using words to express ourselves, how we use those words are nonverbal communication as well. That's why it's more than just body language. Right. Well, I think I understand that, ma'am. <laughs> and in that case, <laughs> you would want to speak a little slower. Right. Because if I was speaking really fast to you like this, you would be your metabolism metabolism would start to go very fast, and you go, mm-hmm. "What's wrong with that person?" Right. Now, I, I, as uh, most people who listen to the show will know, I am a New Yorker, born and bred and buttered, and I am somebody who um, anybody from New York is known for being a fast talker. I think. I don't know that I'm as bad as everyone out here, but. We're known for the fast talk, and when we uh, encounter people, say, from the middle of the country or the certainly da- down south, like I was just giving you a little bit of that southern drawl kind of thing of the slow southern speaker, there can be a real big clash. Yes, yes, and it's completely unintentional on both parties. Mm-hmm. They're going, I'm trying to get along. I don't know what's going on here. I just got in from New York last night, and you're right. I am from the Pacific Northwest, and we mm-hmm. talk slower here than in New York. And it is a real challenge to keep up the speed so that I'm being heard and able to be understood at, the, at a way that they're used to hearing. So it's always fun to um, try and keep that up and keep it going. So is part of what you do then, would, that, would, would, would you help someone – in that sort of clash situation? 
Well, my biggest recommendation from that class situation is once you're aware, we can all feel when rapport is being lost. We can all feel when it's just not quite going right, like, you know, that bad first blind date kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, geez, is this not going right? Oh, yeah. But maybe you have to be there. Maybe it's a sales call or the boss says you've got to go get that account sort Mm -hmm. of thing. That's where, again, we go into the mirror and matching and start to, if there's a slower speed, we don't want to mimic, so if they have, we'll say, that southern drawl, we don't want to mimic so they think we're making fun of them, but we want to just slow down our speech patterns. Right. So if, why don't you tell me a little bit more about uh, you know, your background and how you got to be this person who knows <laughs> well, this stuff. <laughs> well, I am a huge lifelong learner, and mm-hmm. about 15 years ago, I was surprised when someone told me that I just never listened to them and I had had known them for a very long time. And it the, it really broke up a, a rela- long-time relationship. And so I dove into learning more about communication. And along the way, I met a m- man who later became my mentor named Michael Grinder, who's a foremost authority on this. And I've spent the last 15 years teaching with him. And understanding everything I could about it. He's known for teaching teachers nonverbal classroom management. And my expertise is more in the corporate world. That's where my background is. And so I wanted to bring it out into the corporate world and how we can help our teams run better and our sales meetings run better and just general getting good quality business relationships. Mm. Mentors are, for me, mentors are the best way to learn anything is finding someone who's an expert in that field and, shall I say, conjoling or convincing them that you're the person to uh, mentor and apprentice under them. Yeah, and that, that, could, be a, that could be challenging. And, and yet there, I know a lot of people who have been able to have amazing mentors. Um, I, I encountered somebody whose son um, – Works uh, currently for Disney as the like an Im- Imagineer. What do they call them? The the people who make those amazing things they have at Disney World. You know, all yeah. the an imagine Imagineer I, or something. I think yeah, kind of like a reframe of the word engineer. I think it is. Yeah, they're they're engineers who 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 create amazing things like out of like what people dream of um, to to blow people away basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, especially if you're a kid, and and that was his lifelong dream, you know, from childhood. And but he got to have as his mentor that fellow who um, now the the name is just went out of my head. The 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 guy who was uh, dying and wrote a, a, um, a they made a, a book out of his speech that was for his son, and he was on Oprah. Oh, um, um, I want to oh. say Randy Pausch. Yes, the guy. Yes, well, boy, I just had a little. The- Brain, brain uh, thingy. Yes, that fellow. Uh, he got him as his mentor, as his personal mentor. He was, uh, he was in his, uh, one of his classes, and that guy really took him under his wing. Imagine that, having that guy. Oh, yes, you know, and there's all there's somebody out there for everybody like that. It just, I have found letting people know what your dream is. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, when you've got that passion. I know you're a coach that works a lot with helping people find their purpose and passion and bring it into the world. Right. When 
when you've got that passion and you find an expert, it's it's almost contagious. They're mm-hmm. they're as passionate about the subject too, and I've been lucky to find great mentors throughout my life that help me explore and learn more about my passion about communication. Mm. And even though it's a little bit off topic, I, if you would, if you could want to spend a minute or two telling us how you got mentors, because that's something I think is always of interest. Yes, you know, it's a an area of interest for me because I find so many people just saying, "Well, how do I learn this?" My recommendation for mentors is if you find someone who you have admire their work and you have great respect for their work and you have a deep understanding of their work. So, I mean, if they've written articles or books, read those and really immerse yourself in their work. Mm -hmm. Then the best thing I've found is I just ask. I let them know of my passion for their work. I let Mm -hmm. them know how that I understand their work. And oftentimes I've... Always get a yes. Sometimes it's a little bit of a, well, I'm right in the middle of writing a book right now. Can we do it in six months or a year, whatever, something like that. But I've never had anybody turn me down, at least from starting and opening a conversation. Haven't been able to mentor with everybody I've spoken to. Sure. But always started that relationship and ability to talk to them at some point in time. You know, I think that you you might want to consider making a like an ebook on how to get a mentor because you seem to have gotten a knack for it. <laughs> it is a passion of mine, building relationships for sure. Mm. And, but you know, I think the key number one thing is most people don't ask. Well, it's like uh, Wayne Gretzky says: you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. I love that quote. That's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's true in life too, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Not just hockey. Not just hockey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you're in the right area of the country to, to know who I'm talking about, too. So. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Even though I'm, we're not quite in Canada, but uh, hockey's a big thing out here for mm-hmm. sure. So, uh, you know, when it comes to the nonverbals in this whole arena, is, have you always gotten it right, or have you are you sent out messages that have surprised you? Oh, all the time. You know, I know a lot about the subject, but I'm the first to say that I'm really not sure anybody is ever an expert. There's always something more to learn. Mm-hmm. We can have, I think we have to have, when we're doing our nonverbals, the thing that is important is to have the intention in your mind to have a positive result. Mm-hmm. And then to have the matching emotions that go with that. Because a lot of times, if we, maybe you've met someone and, and they're grumbly and growly and so their intention isn't in alignment, and they'll go, I'm fine. And you'll go, well, I don't really think you're fine. And they're, no, I'm fine. And you're like, oh, why do I not think you're fine? And it's because their intention and their emotions are not lined up with what they're saying. Right. And, and you're reading so them. Times, yeah. And a lot of times we can, even being practiced, you know, we can let our emotions filter through, and they mm-hmm. will, our emotions will always show up no matter what training we've had. So here now here we're 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 creating the possibility of of uh, rather than having our emotions dictate our body language, we're having our minds create it uh, with a particular intention, right? Yes. So, which is a whole interesting thing. Now, are you familiar with uh, people like Anthony Robbins, Tony Robbins? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Great, you know, because he, he, he talks a lot about getting into state 
and he, I can, he, there's this great exercise, and I've, I've used it with people, um, where if somebody's like, especially if they're in a bad mood or they're feeling sad, and I have them stand up and and tilt their head, their head to face the ceiling and, and have them grin as wide a grin as they can and, and challenge them to have a sad thought. <laughs> it's it's true. really, really hard because, you know, it's, you can actually change your state by changing your your body, like your, how you're standing, you know, your you could actually change exactly how you're feeling. So, like, you, you, you could act as if you're all excited and all of a sudden you're excited. And that's very true. And to, when I was in New York giving a presentation this last week to other presenters on body language from the stage, and I'll, the question came up, well, I'm always so nervous on stage. And one of my key recommendations is to act as if. Mm-hmm to find a presenter that you really admire their style and act as if. Because once our our muscle memory and our body is acting as if, Mm -hmm. our emotions change. But it also goes the other way, too. If our intention and our emotions are out of alignment, that comes through in our body language. So it's kind of a two-way street. So when you're working with this type of material, there's actually knowing the body language movements, you know, all the things that you show in the book, for example. Mm-hmm. So there's on the intellectual level, knowing it, and then there is the doing it, but there's also, it seems like there's also this alignment involved. Yes, there is, but that's really more about just practicing them, understanding what... I, I meant alignment in, in terms of alignment of your, you, you know, but you were just saying your intention, what was it, you just said your intention and... And your, your emotions. And your emotions. So that's what I meant by alignment. I don't mean by the, uh, the physical alignment. Right. But just so uh, so you can do this stuff, and then how do you do it so that you look natural? You're not looking phony. Like what's what's keeping that from happening? You know, you know, people say that to me when I say, well, simple things like if you want people to share with you, use a palm up gesture. Mm-hmm. And if you want people to know that you're serious, use a sideways palm gesture. Mm-hmm. And then they ask, like, you know, well, won't I look phony? Well, no, because no one knows that that's your intention and that you're doing it. Right. So it's uh, you, your timing. I like to say to try to keep the timing in line with your words, meaning that you want, um, as the words come out and you want it to be taken as serious, to have the mm-hmm. timing correct, which takes practice sometimes. But other than that, you won't look phony or forced because it's kind of like music. It can be still wonderful, even if you're slightly off. Right. I had a piano teacher who was really into improv. It was like, well, we'll learn music and notes later, but let's just get comfortable with the flow of the music. And mm-hmm. sometimes we would hit an off note, and he said, don't stop, just keep going. No right. one will hear it because all the music is beautiful, so just keep going. So that's my recommendation. If you're timing slightly off, don't call attention to it. Just keep going. Yeah, you don't want to say, oops, let me, excuse me, while I move my hand again in that direction. <laughs> Which some people do <laughs> as they start to learn this, and I'm like, no, no, keep going. Just keep going. Right. That would be really funny to see. So uh, are there, there nonverbals that can make me look more or less intelligent? Oh, absolutely. My my favorite one is I, is... I see uh, 
like, oh, on an ESPN or some of those where they're interviewing athletes. And these are prime athletes who you know are running, besides being athletes, running great big businesses. So mm. we're going, they have to be intelligent. They're obviously intelligent people when you hear them speak. But a lot of times their nonverbals make them look less intelligent. And one of the number one ones that they do is their mouth breathers. If you want to be seen as unintelligent, breathe through your mouth. All it takes is closing your mouth and breathing through your nose, and you'll look much more intelligent. Really? Absolutely. I want to encourage the listeners, if they have a mirror handy, just look in the mirror and lightly lax the jaw so your mouth drops open, and you'll realize it's not a very intelligent look. Wow. And that's what happens to mouth breathers all the time. Their mouth is always open to get enough oxygen. It has nothing to do with our intelligence, but it makes us look more intelligent immediately. Okay, I know. I I really I don't know how much I'm a mouth breather, you know, but I know like I I probably am more than I I hope I am. <laughs> now <laughs> I'm know, I'm going to be looking. People that have allergies run yeah, into that. Yeah, that would be me. Well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I find that a lot. And so a couple of tips I give is one, if you're sitting, uh, it's, not, it's not the best nonverbal, but it's a good way to train yourself to keep your mouth closed, is just to put your hand on your chin hmm. as, a, just a, as just a muscle memory mu- reminder. It's not the best nonverbal, it, uh, but it's better than hang, having your mouth hang open. So as you're teaching yourself to keep your mouth closed and breathe through your nose, I like to say just put your hand to your chin to remind you. Another nonverbal that some people do that make them look less intelligent goes right back to breathing, and that's when we fill our pauses with ums and ahs and you knows. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you remember when Caroline Kennedy was running for us. Oh, yes, absolutely. She was, I, I, I don't think I'd ever heard a worse example and it really made me think she has no idea what she's talking about. Right, exactly. And I don't know her personally, but that mm-hmm. was the message she portrayed, was not of a very high understanding of the issues. Or I'll even want to say it portrayed somewhat of a lack of intelligence, which I'm sure she's highly intelligent, but it was the message that was being sent was wrong. What happens is when we get nervous, and we don't breathe completely, our brain uses those verbal fillers to force us to breathe. Mm. Those ums and ahs and you knows are really our brain telling us that you're not breathing correctly, get me more oxygen right now. So those ums force us to exhale. So we have to immediately inhale to get more oxygen to our brain. Have you ever been to a Toastmasters? I've been to Toastmasters. I have never been one to be, get up and give the speeches, but I have been to Toastmasters. Uh, I, I, I went to um, one or two of them, and they – well, first of all, the one that I went to, they made everybody get up, even if you'd never been there before. They, they, you were up. If you, went in, if you walked in the room, you would be getting up. But they had an um and you know counter. They had a person who sat there and counted the ums and you knows and ums, and then you got a report at the end of your speech. You had uh, 17 you knows. <laughs> but did anyone ever tell them how to stop them? Um, you know, no. <laughs> See, that's exactly my I, 
my reason was that it's fine to tell someone you had 17 no, you knows and 21 ums, but it's so unconscious. We don't know we're doing it. We don't know that our we're so in the moment trying to stay with the content, trying to deliver the speech spot on, not miss a word, that we don't realize we're not breathing properly. Of course we're breathing, otherwise, you know, we'd be fainted on the floor. But we don't realize we're not breathing properly. So the key to that is to have someone count them is great. Well, it made you aware of it. But it didn't give you the answer like, okay, how do I stop it? Because yeah, the only answer they really had was, you know, being aware and then consciously trying to force them out. But then we fill with other words. Have you ever met someone who's going along in their speech and then they've said, then they realize they've said an um and then they go, well, well, and they start filling with other words. Hmm. So it doesn't really solve the problem. So That's what's the I solution, Sharon? Pausing more and breathing during that pause. When we speak, naturally pause wherever you'd put a comma and -hmm. take a breath. And wherever you'd put a period, pause and take a breath. And that will cure the ums and the ahs and the you knows. It's just pausing and breathing when we pause. So we need more commas and periods. We need to go to a period and comma person and buy as many of them as possible. That's true. Keep them in your pocket. Less vowels, more commas. Yes, they'll come in handy when you're giving a public presentation and you want to sound intelligent, putting a pause wherever you put a comma or a period. Exactly. And if you're listening to the show, I will uh, sell you uh, 100 commas and pauses for only $9.95. <laughs> um, right. And then we could do, I'll take a vowel as well. Take a vowel for, for Vanna White. Absolutely. If you act in the next five minutes, I will double the order. Can you tell that I listen to one too many infomercials? I, I think so. You've got okay. the down pat. <laughs> but wait, there's more. But wait, more. there's more. That's right. <laughs> we'll triple your offer. Um, okay, so who's better at or worse at the nonverbal communication, men or women? That's kind of a tough one. It, it really depends. I think women are better at reading other people's nonverbals and understanding the the hidden messages behind them. Men... This is in brain science a little bit, but men are able to speak and think at the same time, but not able to access emotions. Mm -hmm. Women have more connections between the emotional center of the brain and the speech center. And I think any man that's ever fought with a woman would validate that without the brain (laughs) science behind it. Yes. (laughs) But there is true brain science behind it. So women are better at reading other people's nonverbals. Men, though, once they understand the meaning behind the nonverbals, are excellent at understanding which hand gestures mean what, how to have command presence, how to make connection with other people. So when we're doing the what I call intentional nonverbals, ones where we've thought about what is our intention, what is, what is our meaning of the message, do we want to make connection, do we want to sound credible, do we want to have command presence, Men and women are pretty equal at understanding that, but in the reading of it, women are generally statistically better. So so how uh, difficult or easy is it, would you say, for the average person to master this type of material? Very easy. 
I like to say just in the in the book, I offer a whole bunch, as you know, with the manuscript I sent you, a whole bunch of suggestions, and to pick your favorite one and practice it for a week. Practice it with the local barista, the, in the grocery checkout line, nice, safe places. Not in the office until you really get it down. Just nice, safe places, family, friends, strangers. And then once you've got it down, choose another one that you really like. And pretty soon, it's just part of your muscle memory. When I was first learning it, I would do what I call the seeking hand gesture, which is the palm up gesture. And you motion out towards the person and motion back to yourself. And that's saying, I'm open to dialogue. I'd like to have a conversation here. And I would use that for a while purposely and and consciously. And the first time I did it, caught myself doing it unconsciously, I, I just sort of chuckled inside. It was like, oh, I've got it now. I've got it. I can, I'm going to move on to the next one. Well, that's really cool. Well, there's like this uh, thing about learning where you go through various phases of, of um, mastery. Well, you start out with, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, where you're completely incompetent. So you have this um, con- uh, conscious incompetence is like the first yes. phase of learning where you, you have to look at everything you're doing and you're really kind of inept at it and you're like okay hand over here you know like like when you learn to dance with 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 uh, exactly. those steps on the ground you know those footsteps that would be like the ultimate of conscious incompetence and then going through those phases until you get to that what's called the unconscious competence where it's you know, like you can you could probably drive now for 50 miles and not realize what you've done, but the first exactly. time you ever got behind the wheel, you, every last thing you did, ten and two, hand over left, left over right, and put hand and out window. A, and it's the same concept as mm-hmm. we're learning what not what certain nonverbals mean. Mm-hmm. It's the same concept, but once we're consciously aware of them, it just becomes so much better to let people understand the intention of your message. It's so easy to shut people down. If you use a downward palm hand gesture, that means not open to negotiation. Mm. It's better with the fingers closed. A little cross-cultural, I'll say humor here. If you do that same gesture in the Mediterranean or some places in South America, but with your fingers widespread, mm-hmm. downward palm, fingers widespread, you're pretty much giving um, what we call the one-finger salute here in the United wow. States. So you want to keep your fingers next to each other if you use a downward palm gesture to mean not open to negotiation. I don't want to hear it. Like talk to the hand kind of a thing? It's sort of a talk to the hand, but the palm is facing down to the ground. Okay. If we did a talk to the hand, boy, that that can always start. That's when you really want to escalate things. Is yeah. The old Saturday Night Live talk to the hand. Right. If you want to escalate, use that one. Mm. It's like the, uh, a hand way of saying whatever. Exactly. <laughs> we have all these slight, yeah. We have all these slight little. Now, see the whatever one. Oftentimes we do unconsciously, and then we wonder why the people's feelings are hurt or they get mad at us. That's one that just sort of comes out because of our emotion at the moment. So. Well, is it whatever uh, related to the eye roll? Oh. <laughs> Not sort of. The eye roll is really more about feeling. They're they're very similar, but oftentimes the eye roll is done when we don't feel safe. The whatever means that we're pretty feeling fairly safe in this relationship. Mm -hmm. That we're not 
that it's not a dangerous thing because it's a much more assertive move. The eye roll is really the same thing, like whatever, I can't believe what I'm hearing, or oh my gosh, not again, type of thing. Mm -hmm. But it's more that we're not feeling as safe as with the whatever hand Uh. gesture. Now, I understand that there's a community trying to make eye rolling uh, illegal. Yes. Oh, I know. I read that I, about that uh, city council, and it was um, in Elmhurst, Illinois, where the city council members, I guess, were rather frustrated with members of the community rolling their eyes during the community meetings, <laughs> city council meetings, and <laughs> they're trying to figure out if it's, if they can make it illegal to roll eyes. And I, I just I had to write about it recently because I started laughing. I'm like, you guys, that's not the problem. That's a symptom of the problem. The problem is your constituency doesn't feel safe to express any opinions. So what is it about the authoritarian rule of this council that is causing members of the constituency don't need to roll their eyes. It's a very teenage-like response. Mm. I mean, we've all been around teenagers where you get that eye roll of that whatever eye roll. It's the same type of response. They don't feel safe, but they want to be heard, and so they roll their eyes. Well, I understand the next move on the council is to to ban the shrug. (laughs) Yes. Pretty soon we'll ban all the nonverbals. We just have to sit our hands and look straight forward in very George Orwellian type of stance, I suppose. Yeah, anybody who says, what the, that's a, that's like a two years in jail. <laughs> exactly. That's that's a felony. That, that should be a felony, absolutely. So, so oh, now by the way, uh, is there any relationship to this type of communication of nonverbals that where you're using specific gestures, is there any relationship to this in NLP that you were aware well, of? Yes and no. A lot okay. of the science comes from it. Mm-hmm. A lot of the science on body movement and gestures and sorts of things, they're, they're related but not closely related. Okay. That just popped in my head. I, 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 I have a little bit of uh, interest in that as well. The, the NLP, for anybody listening who says, what's he talking about? It's neuro-linguistic programming. Exactly. NLP. And just a little side note, my mentor is Michael Grinder, John Grinder, the founder of NLP, as well as with Richard Bandler, um, ah. they're brothers. John and Richard, are, John and Michael are, are brothers. And well, so. how do you like them apples? Yeah, so I'm not. I you know, at least I'm in the in the ballpark, or they relation related somehow. Right, they are related, but so they're, they're brothers. Different. You could say that the, uh, the nonverbals and NLP are brothers. Well, yes, but the interesting thing about neurolinguistic programming is it's, yes. um, it goes off in other directions, too, using right. language to change minds and alter mm-hmm. behavior as well. Okay. So among people that, like, that you've uh, noticed out in the world, people in particular that you, I, somebody in our audience might recognize, uh, as good and bad examples of people who uh, have mastered or tremendously not mastered nonverbal communications. Anybody comes to mind? Absolutely. Politics aside, I'm just talking specific nonverbals, right. okay? <laughs> okay. 
my contrast is between President, ex-President Bush and President Obama. Mm-hmm. The, the interesting thing about President Bush was when he was behind a lectern, two nonverbal things he did that really discredited his message. Regardless of the message, he could be wishing us all you know, a, a happy holiday season, right. and it, we would still not have a tendency to believe them. Mm-hmm. And the reason was he had a tendency to not have his weight on both feet. He liked to rock his toe mm. on the floor. And that's a sheer sign of incongruency with your message. And the other nonverbal that he did that led us not to believe him, even in the most simplest and heartfelt types of messages, was a death grip on the lectern. The white knuckle is a sure sign <laughs> that... Either you know that you can easily be trained not to do, but it's a sure sign that it gives people away. Like I'm not comfortable up here, and when we see other people not being comfortable, we begin to question the the truth of their message. It's like why are they uncomfortable? If they're so sure that this is the truth, why are they so uncomfortable? And that animal lizard part of our brain mm-hmm. starts to kick in and ask all those questions. Mm. And if we notice Obama a lot of times, he does hold the lectern, but not as stiffly, not, not without death grip, shall I say, on mm-hmm. it. And he's always very comfortable with putting his weight centered over both feet. And when the weight is centered o- over both feet, it's a much more credible stance. Oh, let's just go through a few presidents now, since we're in that, in that mode. Uh, and strictly okay. in terms of their ability to master or not master nonverbal communication. So I'm thinking of uh, the great communicator Ronald Reagan. What do you what did you think of him? In that in this regard, we're not again we're not talking politics here. Not talking politics. Yeah. But we have to remember he was a trained actor. Yes. Absolutely. And so a, a lot of the nonverbals that I teach in my book actually relate to acting. Mm. And Reagan had the power of acting behind him. He knew the power of the pause. You can stand there and be speaking and have a gesture, but I'll say it's frozen in midair. You want to put your hand out and keep it frozen in midair during the pause. People won't interrupt you. What that says with that gesture frozen out there during the pause is that I still have the mic. Wait, there's more to come. And he was a master of that. And that's why people were mesmerized Mm. every time he got up to speak. Is because of his acting background. He knew how to make eye contact and mastered his breathing and pause, the power of the pause. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. How about... Um, um, but the uh, power behind that was yeah. he had enough breath to get that entire statement out with the same amount of force. He didn't mm. run out of breath at the end. You can imagine, like, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall as he ran out of breath wouldn't have been as powerful that would have been bad (laughs) we'd probably still have a wall right now i think absolutely but he had enough breath to get the entire statement out with the same complete force as he started and he ended and that's why it was Mm. so powerful how about um mr clinton He's also a very excellent communicator. And here's someone that I want to speak about has natural charisma as well. Mm -hmm. A lot of us have to train ourselves to have charisma. But he has a natural charisma of, I'll say, golly gee, I'm just like you. I know you'll like me kind of charisma. Mm -hmm. We are naturally attracted to his 
down-home humor, right. his ability to connect at that personal level. Didn't always connect at what I'll call the credible or professional level, but mm-hmm. he could always, if he lost you there, he was always able to connect at that, gosh, I'm really just one of you type of level. So he was a master of that. I should say still is a master of that, connecting at that personal level. Okay, how about uh, Jimmy Carter? He has that same southern sort of interest in being able to connect at that personal level, yet at the professional level, he didn't have great control over his voice patterns. When he tried to have command presence, if he had lowered his chin a little bit so his chin was more parallel to the ground, mm-hmm. he, his voice pattern would have had much more command pre- presence. He tends to raise his chin a little bit, which changes the voice pattern to one that doesn't sound, I'm doing it right now, it doesn't sound as much command presence. It sounds a little more strained. Mm-hmm. And there again, if, with his voice pattern, if he'd learned to keep his chin parallel to the ground or slightly dropped, he would have had much more command presence when he wanted to be taken seriously. Well, let's go in another direction in this, in this field, uh, Gerald Ford. Well, we have to look beyond because, unfortunately, you know, I don't know a lot about his health issues or something, but he had a lot of trouble with balance. Uh, okay. And oftentimes we have to be careful that we don't make assumptions about people, just like going back to the athlete and the mouth breather. Mm-hmm. We have to be careful that we don't make assumptions about people's disabilities or infirmities as being something related to intelligence. I don't know what it was related to his balance, but he did ha- tend to have problems with that. And so, unfortunately, he got kind of a bad rap because he did have that issue of stumbling, and people thought stumbling and bumbling and equated that to lack of intelligence, which was unfortunate. He also didn't really control his voice pattern, similar to Carter with a command mm. presence either. But that issue of his balance being off oftentimes led people to make faulty assumptions, and so when we're studying other people's nonverbals, we want to be sure that we understand what we call what is their baseline behavior, and if they do have a baseline disability, infirmity, or some other behavior, we go, well, that's them. That's just who they are, and that's where we have to start looking at this is their normal. There is no true normal. It's what is, what's Andrew's normal, what's Gerald Ford's normal, what's Sharon's normal, and then go off of that to know what the person is actually doing or feeling at that moment. And mm. it really is about at that moment because it changes. Our body language changes constantly. So we can't really make a base assumptions about people's body language and said, oh, they're always closed and tight based on a photo that we see where their arms are crossed. Right. So really it was just at that moment. You know, at that moment, either they could be in a kind of closed-up position, they could, you know, they could be cold, mm-hmm. or, you know, they, or they could just have gas, really. They could just be, you know, trying not to embarrass themselves. We don't know. We don't know. It's yeah, all I'll go with the gas yeah. thing. I'm going to go with the gas thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's all an educated guess. <laughs> sure. So are all nonverbals alike? Are they good? They're bad? Uh, indifferent? Uh, what kind of... What do you have out there? I like to say there are no 
bad nonverbals. It's just what it, what do you want? What purpose do you want it to serve? If you really want to say stop, not open to negotiation, don't push me, Buster. The talk to the hand is a great nonverbal. Mm. But if you want to say, hey, I'm here for you, I'm open, let's share, and you do talk to the hand, not such a good nonverbal. So putting it on that, a scale of like at, when is it going to be an asset, when is it going to be a liability mm -hmm. is a much better way to look at our nonverbals. Okay. So the context. <laughs> the context. Context rules, absolutely. Context is, context is king. Yes, it is. Some nonverbals work. <laughs> Some nonverbals work great, and in certain contexts and in other contexts, I'd say don't use that one. Not mm. not a safe nonverbal to use. Very cool. So, you've worked with a lot of people, right, to become better communicators. Would you say? Yes. Yes. So what? What? The majority of my coaching is individuals. Oh. Oh. Okay. I yeah, I like to say I'm the best kept secret. A lot of times people don't like to mention they worked with me because it's like, no, no, I just have natural charisma. Uh, I don't I don't have learned charisma. I'm just naturally charismatic. I taught Bill Clinton how to be charismatic. Yeah, that's how that's the ticket. <laughs> so yeah. you know a lot of people don't it, it's not great for dating either, Andrew, by the way. Oh, okay. People I, find out what I do and all of a sudden they start sitting on their hands. <laughs> Yeah, you're like, yeah, she doesn't know what I'm really thinking. Oh, no, she does. <laughs> this is terrible. Um, so, in your, so in your experience with working with people, what's, what do you think is the biggest thing that people have to get past, the biggest hurdle, so number one? Themselves. They need to get past what everybody else is thinking and just be themselves. So often people are so worried and it's so uptight about being themselves. I think I, I think everybody has a little quirk here and there, and I find that charming. It's really what is your quirk and just be yourself. Mm. Oftentimes we're so uptight and worried about what is the other people thinking and doing, and that's where this idea of reading other people's body language comes into play. And you know what? Really, we can't control anybody else, so why does it really matter? Just getting past yourself and being yourself, I think, is key. Key to not only understanding and building better relationships, but key to our business success. You know, you just actually, you mentioned um, dating. How might this be helpful to someone in the world of dating? Like, say, somebody's looking to go out dating and find somebody. How might mastery of body language Body communications help somebody in that. Oh, purposely knowing what your intention behind what message you're trying to send. Are you trying to send I'm interested or I'm not interested messages? Understanding which two messages you're sending are key. Mm. Sometimes I have ladies that come and say, but I wasn't trying to come on to him. And then well, be speaking to them and you'll see that they're doing gestures that are all about connection and relationship and building a stronger rapport. Well, you know, guys, don't think that way. If you start mm -hmm. doing just rapport-building gestures, they're going to think, gosh, she's interested in me. Yeah. She wants to learn more. Sure. And women don't understand that. Women, they should oftentimes go, well, I was just being friendly. I said, no, that's not the point. You can be friendly and still have use gestures that are saying, you know, you're a nice person, but I'm right. not that 
I'm not interested in taking this the next step. Well, you were being friendly with benefits. <laughs> yes. Well, some women say, I don't understand. Why am I always hit on? Yeah. I'm like, nonverbals are saying, that's exactly mm-hmm. what you're interested in. If you don't want that response, change your nonverbals. I'm thinking of the, you know, the guy at the airport who's bringing the plane in with the lights, you know? Yes. <laughs> and imagine, like, you're, you're doing that body language, and you can't understand why they're coming. I don't exactly. Why are they moving faster towards you? What, what am I doing? <laughs> That's a great visual for it, exactly. <laughs> I have to tell women that a lot. But, you know, guys try to read all of that. But, you know, I, I feel sorry for guys. A lot of times they... They get shot down a lot, and they're they're always going, well, what's this mean? Can I? Can't I? What should I do? Right. Where do I go from here? And it's a lot of time women, in just their desire to not be mean, send the wrong signals. Mm. So that's a that's a great thing to to uh, be aware of. Hear that, ladies? Yes, okay. it is. Make sure great they heard thing. me. Yep. So, uh, but from my standpoint, when people, when guys find out that this is my area of expertise, all of a sudden, like I said, they're they stop moving. It's like, oh, they become this little statue. They're still talking, but they're afraid to move. Ah, <laughs> for fear that I might somehow, you know, laser drill into their and read their mind or something. I I'm not sure, but. <laughs> Well, that's why I've built this electric uh, body language suit that just does it all for me. Hey, now that's a good idea. <laughs> that's a great thing that we could market. Absolutely. That's product of the future. I've also watched too much Jetsons, so that's where <laughs> that, come, that comes. So is there, do we have time for you to try to do a little um, demonstration with me over the phone? Is that possible? Oh, sure. What, would, what, what should we role play with? Well, gosh, I don't know. You pick, pick something. I'll, whatever we're going with, I'll go with it. Okay. Let's see. How about making somebody feel really good about themselves? Okay. You meet them for the very first time, and you want to make somebody feel really special. Right. Okay. What you do, uh, oftentimes, here, at least here in the Pacific Northwest, we mention something like the weather. Like, oh, it's a wonderful day out today, or mm. it's... It's just the sunshine is so amazing. Do you guys do that in New York a lot? Do you talk about the weather? Uh, yeah, but well, the weather here is notable for changing every five minutes. So yes. <laughs> okay. Well, this is a fun one to do. You want to put your hand at your and arm at your waist with the palm okay. up. Okay. So my hand is at my waist with the palm it's up. At your waist, yes. So your arm is parallel. So on the side. Okay. Yeah, on the side. Uh-huh. And your arm is just parallel to the ground with your palm up. Okay. And gently just at the shoulder start to move your hand out towards, well, we'll just say a phantom person, whomever you're speaking to. Mm-hmm. And as you start to move the hand with the palm up out towards them, go, isn't it a wonderful day? And as you finish the word wonderful, your fingers should be pointing right at that person. So my, okay, I, start, I had my hand kind of cupped, so I'm not sure if I'm getting this right. Um, Cup is fine. Cup is fine, but then do I then straighten out my hand so that it's pointing at, at them? Yes, you at do. At the end? Well, you, and you swing out your whole arm, so your okay. arm is just kind of making a, a breathing motion between you and, the, and mm-hmm. your listener. And your arm, is just, your arm and hand are just gently going back and forth between your waist and about where the listener's waist would be. Mm-hmm. Oh, and okay. And when you say 
Yeah, and, and so it's just kind of going back and forth, flowing back and forth, the hand and arm. And each time you come to one of those positive words, like, isn't it a wonderful day, you want your fingers pointing at that person. Because what you're doing is assigning the word wonderful to them. Ah, isn't it a wonderful day? So just unconsciously you called them wonderful. Did you feel that? Did you see, did you see my fingers? Yes, you can feel it through the phone. It's uh, there you amazing. go. The new technology Great offered by Blog builder. Talk Radio. This is a special Blog Talk Radio a feature of where the other person can see me. Only my hand, though. <laughs> I paid extra for that. Absolutely. But, you know, you can hear nonverbals over the phone. You can hear when someone's smiling and when they're not. Sure. We, we can hear a lot of people's nonverbals, whether we can see them or not. I think that's very important for people to realize. Now, for example, I coach almost exclusively over the phone. Not all coaches do that. Some people coach in person for the most part. I prefer the phone. I can hear everything on the phone. I can hear that smile. I can hear the upset. I can hear... If somebody's in a good mood, yeah, I can hear that there's something off. Not every, I don't know if everybody has that same kind of ability. I think everybody can develop it. Everybody can develop present. it. It's a matter of how much effort they really want to be put mm-hmm. in being connected. I know you're so connected with your clients that it comes so natural and easily, but I want people to know that it's a matter of it's your intention to be connected. But anybody yeah. can learn it as long as they have the right mindset. Right. So it's very so it's important for people to realize that like just because you're on the phone or you even if you're behind the keyboard be, be honest with you. I mean, I can recognize something's off just from there's something different about the way that person is typing today, you know? It's just a little bit off. It's, yeah. It could be it's amazing what you can pick up if you're if you're looking, if you're sensitive to it. So people need to know you you can't really hide. No. You could <laughs> run, but you really can't hide. <laughs> that's very true. I can hide, but our, I can't run, but that's another story. Our, our nonverbals will give us away every time. Yeah, absolutely. So so uh, I think it's important to, to know for people, not only can you use this uh, to get ahead in in your life and your business and your relationships, but you can also uh, need to know that what you're putting out there can be read by other people as well. That's the whole message behind my book is not worrying about the other person's message, worrying about your own message. Mm-hmm. Because like I mentioned before, we can only control ourselves. We can influence other people, but we can't make them do something. We can't control them. So if we're in control of ourselves, then our message has the best possibility of being accepted well and understood. So why not worry about what our own body is saying and let the other person be themselves? Absolutely. So uh, why did you write this book? Who's it for? Well, I wrote it for my passion is helping professionals, that, especially small business owners. I find that one of the best ways to market a business is through speaking and demonstrating. And I also wrote it for, I work a lot with executives and managers who are stuck in the middle. Sometimes they have to deliver really bad news but still be friends with the people. Maybe they have to mention that there's layoffs or downturns. Mm -hmm. So I wrote it for those two groups of people that really have to be conscious of what message are are they sending. How, How do they want to be perceived? It's very tough these days with this economy for managers 
to be out there saying, you know, guys, I really love all of you, but profits are down and 10 of you have to go. Mm-hmm. And still being able to maintain that management command presence and that personal side where they, they know that you really do care, that it's not just some evil conspiracy throwing them out the door. Mm. Very interesting. So let me ask you this. Uh, with your book, uh, what is what is tied in with the book? Do you have any videos or any anything that comes to people oh, who have bought the book? Absolutely. It's over at whatyourbodysays.com. Mm-hmm. They can sign up to get. I have a weekly video tip that comes out every week with their little videos. None of them are over a minute long, so they're really quick. Things that you can practice for that one week, get really good at, and then the next week you get another video tip, as well as articles on my blog. I've got a lot of guest bloggers. Always looking for more guest bloggers, by the way. I love to get into this conversation about what is good communication, what is quality, respectful communication. Mm -hmm. Not just nonverbal, but all communication. Being careful with our words just as as we are with our nonverbals. Okay. So running over to whatyourbodysays.com and sign up to be part of the conversation, I'd love it. Okay, great. And now, um, are you, do you do the Twitter thing, anything like that? Yes, I'm on Twitter at right. S-Sailor, so it's S-S-A-Y-L-E-R, if people want to follow along and see what's happening out there in, in the world of nonverbal communication. Okay, repeat that, also, please. Repeat that. I'm going to do it right as we speak. Twitter.com okay, slash? It's uh, Twitter, and it's S-S. S-S. A-Y. Mm-hmm. L-E-R. Uh-huh. And that's me. Sounds like a, sounds like a, a ship. The S-S Aler. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I also have a Facebook if people want to join the conversation there. I, I find the conversation on Facebook is always fun, and that's, Facebook, what your body says. Okay, Facebook, what Facebook dot com slash what the body says. What your body says. What your body says. I'm going there right now. I'm joining the conversation. Fabulous. Oh, learn how to avoid the three biggest body language mistakes in under ten minutes. That's what it says right right on the Facebook page with your lovely face on it. Yes, and that way you'll also get some of the video tips as well. It's, a, it's always a lot of fun to get conversation around the video tips going on. Awesome. So when, when is the book officially uh, coming out? The book launched today, Andrew. Wow. But yes, yes. I have great timing, don't I? You have great timing on Amazing. launch day. Yes, it's been a fabulous, just a crazy day. Uh, you're the final interview of the day, and I couldn't be more honored to be on your show as the final oh, interview. Thank you very much. Well, I want to thank you, Sharon Saylor, for being on my show for some amazing information. I've learned a lot. I think my listeners have learned a lot. And everyone should go out and get the book, What Your Body Says. That's whatyourbodysays.com. And thanks, everyone, for listening. You can find me at www.myfuturecoach.com, on Twitter at twitter.com slash coachandrew. And we'll be back next Monday with Denny Stockdale and have an outstanding next seven days. Good night, everyone.